Okay, welcome to Think Jewish. And I just want to mention on the recording that we as a group here today, we said chapters of Psalms to do prayer, we gave charity, and now we're doing words of Torah for the merit of all the soldiers in Israel. May God keep them safe. I'm asking that anyone listening to this recording should put it on pause for a moment also to do all three, say any chapter of Psalm, give any amount of charity to any um, pushka, any charity box you wish, and then continue listening to these words of Torah and dedicate it all for the soldiers in the uh, Holy Land protecting our brothers and sisters. Okay, today, today we talk about the secret of dreams and the, the teaching of the Rebbe of blessed memory, which I'm focusing on, was actually delivered in this week in 1967. The Rebbe connects this entire topic with this week's Torah portion, but I am not going to be doing that. I just want you to know that the entire teaching was based on the song we sing before we do the grace after meals on Shabbat. Shira Malot B'Shuv Hashem. We say over there, Hayinu Kichalmim. We were as dreamers. And we'll see later how this fits in. So if you're wondering what this has to do with the Torah portion of Masai, which is the closing Torah portion of the Book of Numbers, the Rebbe does make a connection. And anyone is more than welcome to look it up in its original. But for tonight, I want to just focus on the teaching without that connection. It's complicated enough as it is. So the secret of dreams and extraterrestrial communication. So before I even get into this class, I want to talk to you about Torah and mythical legends. So I'm actually going to read the story to you because it was told by the person, Rabbi Yehuda Krinsky, who is one of the Rebbe's secretariat. He actually told the story right after the passing of the Rebbe in 1994. And he starts off by saying it was 22 years ago, which makes it 1972. So I'm going to read you the story straight from my notes because it is a quote, okay? It was 22 years ago, 1972, when the widow of Jackus Lipschitz, not related to me, the renowned sculptor who came for, had come for a private audience with the Rebbe shortly after her husband's sudden passing. In the course of her meeting with the Rebbe, she mentioned that when her husband died, he was nearing completion of a massive sculpture of a phoenix, the phoenix bird in abstract, a work commissioned by Hadassah Women's Organization for the Hadassah Hospital on Mount Scopus in Jerusalem. As an artist and sculptor in her own right, she said that she would have liked to complete her husband's work, but, she told the Rebbe, she had been advised by Jewish leaders that the phoenix is a non-Jewish symbol. How could that be placed in Jerusalem, no less? So she presented the Rebbe with the phoenix, the mythical bird that lives for a thousand years, burns itself up, and then comes back from its own ashes, a baby. I was standing near the door at the Rebbe's office that night when he called for me, that's Rabbi Yehuda Krinsky, and asked that I bring him the book of Job from his bookshelf, which I did. The Rebbe turned to chapter 29, verse 18. I quote the verse. I shall multiply my days like the chol, C-H-O-L, chol. And then the Rebbe proceeded to explain to Mrs. Lifshitz the Midrashic commentary on this verse, which describes the bird 
as a which describes the chol as a bird that lives for a thousand years, then dies and is later resurrected from its ashes. A midrashic interpretation upon a verse in Eiv, in Job. Clearly then, the Rebbe says, the phoenix is a Jewish symbol. Miss Lipschitz was absolutely delighted and the project was completed soon thereafter. Very interesting. Surprise. Things that we write off as mythical legends actually have their source in the Torah. Let's go something to a little nearer to what we're going to talk about tonight. Torah and extraterrestrial beings. The Rebbe, in a response to a scientist questioning the Rebbe whether it is contradictory to the Torah's opinion to believe in aliens, that there exist aliens. So the Rebbe replies to him in the book of Judges, Shoftim. Over there, there's a part which is called Shirat Devorah, the Song of Devorah. There was a huge war. Devorah, the prophetess, after the victory of the war, sang a song. By the way, we read that portion every single year on the same week that we read the Torah portion of Az Yashir, the song that they sang when they crossed the sea. So here's a verse from that song. It's chapter 25, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 23. I almost reversed it. Oru Meroz, I'll read it to you again, quoting. Curse you, Meroz, said the messenger of the Lord. Curse you bitterly you inhabitants thereof, because they came not to the aid of the Lord, to the aid of the Lord against the mighty. Rashi, people familiar with Rashi? Rashi does not take upon himself to give mystical interpretations. Rather, Rashi always gives the simplest interpretation possible. So let me quote to you the first opening words of Rashi. Not his second interpretation, but his first interpretation on what Meroz is. Upon the words, curse you, Meroz, Rashi, his name was Rav Shlomo Yitzchaki, he lived from February 2nd, 1040, to 13th of July, 1105, he comments, some say it, Meroz, is a kochav. Now many translate kochav as a star, but in Hebrew, there's no separate word for star or planet. Kochav means also a planet. Thus, let's go back to the verse. Curse you bitterly, you inhabitants thereof inhabitants of a planet called Meroz. What would, may, what would those inhabitants be called to us? Aliens. Aliens, extraterrestrial beings. So here the Rebbe clearly says, he writes in the letter, I actually read the letter, he actually makes some very interesting um, observations on the Torah's perspective of aliens, very different than our sci-fi movies. But the point here I want to share with you is, wow, things that we think are not Jewish, many people with long white beards would scream at you, just like they screamed at Miss Lipschitz for wanting to finish her husband's phoenix uh, Mount Scope. What happens there? All of a sudden we find out these are actually opinions by renowned commentators. The Medrash isn't one opinion. Rashi is the most classical commentary that we learn with every single child when he starts learning Chumash. So there is extraterrestrial beings. There is such a thing as the phoenix, according to the Torah. Okay? With that being said, I want to bring you more closer to home for our discussion tonight. When we talk about extraterrestrial beings, we're actually not talking about what Rashi is referring to in his commentary on Oro Maroz, Oro Yoshveha, cursed be Maroz, cursed be its inhabitants, her inhabitants. Rather, 
we're talking about something which is more like extra I'm making up a word by the way and you'll be hearing about it a lot tonight not terrestrial but universal we're talking about something which is beyond the universe and we're going to tell you that when I talk about dreams being a communi communication with the extraterrestrial I don't mean what we call extraterrestrial terrestrial means earth celestial means heaven that's not what we're talking about we're actually talking about something which is beyond terrestrial and celestial anything in the universe as we know it post the bet from Bereshit which is the beginning of Genesis in the beginning that's what dreams are that type of communication so we need to understand what is this extra universal beings what does it mean to have a communication with them and most importantly in anything you're ever going to hear in Chabad Hasidus the major question is going to be what does this knowledge do for us in serving God because if it's just interesting even holy knowledge but it doesn't make a change or empower me in serving God then we've got an issue so we need to discuss all three things extraterrestrial what does that mean what does it mean to have a communication with it and what does it mean to me in my life and serving God okay so let's begin with the definition of dreams according to Kabbalah Kabbalah and Hasidis, when they focus on dreams, it's very different than what people come to ask me. What does this dream mean? Am I supposed to fast? Is it a good sign? Is it a bad sign? What's God telling me? Hasidis focuses before anything. In Kabbalah and Hasidis, the first focus is, what is dreams all about? What's the difference between dreams and thinking? They're two different worlds. Hasidis and Kabbalah points out something very interesting that the concept of dreams the magic of dreams the power of dreams the secret of dreams is the existence of antithetical within what does that mean so i want to share with you some very harsh words that are clear examples from kabbalah the first example is harsh after that it won't get harsh the first example that we say is when we talk about in kabbalah and Hasidus on the teaching of dreams it says that you can dream that you are killed and that you live in the same moment. Two antithetical concepts. Either you're killed and you're dead, God forbid, or you're alive. But in a dream, you can live, that you, you can dream that you were just killed and you're alive. Another concept that it says, another example is, you can dream that simultaneously you are here and you're in Aspamaya. That's just the name of a city that's used in the Talmud and in Medrash. You can simultaneously dream, I'm here and I'm there. I want to share with you another dream that the sages tell us that a certain sage had. And this is a very interesting dream. It'll be more, we can relate to it more. I don't want to sit and emphasize on getting killed. And This is the dream I'm going to pick to talk about. There was a sage that had a dream that the, an elephant the size of an elephant pass through the eye of a needle the size of an eye of a needle now that concept I want to just focus on that concept so there's an elephant the size of an elephant there's an eye of a needle the size of an eye of a needle and he dreamt this rabbi dreamt that this elephant the size of an elephant passed through 
the eye of a needle the size of an eye of a needle to the conscious mind that is absolutely impossible to imagine for example go for it right now please I'm asking each of you close your eyes I want you to try to imagine an elephant the size of an elephant passing through an eye of a needle the size of an eye of a needle it is simply impossible for the mind to think of that now sometimes things are impossible because we can't be creative enough to even dream up of such an equation you didn't dream up of that equation I gave it to you I'm not asking you come up with the most unbelievable equation no 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 I gave it to you I drew out for you the entire picture an elephant the size of an elephant an eye of a needle the size of an eye of a needle and the elephant is passing through the eye of the needle so what we're not lacking here is creativity however in our realm we're gonna have to do one of two things either shrink the elephant or enlarge the eye of a needle I'm going to tell you now because I myself has when I went through the story I tried to imagine it I can tell you right now that each one of you started off doing one of those two and then you stopped yourself because you remembered no the elephant has to be the size of an elephant the eye of a needle has to be the size of an eye of a needle and then you realize I give up I can't do it it's impossible for the human mind to see such a thing and yet the Talmud tells us that someone dreamt of such a thing why so from here the Talmud tells us that the plane of the universe that we live on and we're now going to use some very important words the linear universe that we live in which comes from the linear divine light cannot imagine that concept thus Kabbalah Hasidis now have a proof that dreams are a communication from some type of realm from some type of universe which is not ours because our universe the linear universe which comes from the linear light of God cannot do that and the fact that this sage did do it tells me that it came from somewhere else the power of this sage as great as a rabbi as he may have been and a great of miracles that he may have performed he could not do this if it was just his conscious mind the greatest proof is that the Talmud tells us about the story which means that it's just it's absurd it's just an impossible story the Talmud is discussing it and with it telling us something very important so what we see here is that dreams is a communication from the extra universal plane of existence now we need to define this before we define what extraterrestrial is and again when I say extraterrestrial I mean extra universal we have to first understand how Kabbalah and Hasidus defines the world that we do know the linear world so we're taught as follows that the light which creates and sustains the world is linear what did you just hear me say what you just heard me say is that there's a top and a bottom a right and a left that's what we have what you just really heard me say is 
that in the linear world, there are antithetical opposites which cannot coexist. Top and bottom cannot coexist. Right and left cannot coexist. Right is right, left is left, top is top, bottom is bottom. And therefore, in the dream of the linear universe, we can't have these type of dreams that we just spoke about. Because by definition, linear means that there's opposites. And by definitions, opposites cannot coexist. Here is a very interesting concept. Do you know which is one of the most famous and highest antithetical existence that you and I know of? It's hidden in a verse that you say more than once a day. Ose shalom bimromav. What does Ose shalom bimromav means? What does it mean? Ose he, capital H, the big one. He makes peace bimromav. Mav means the yudvav suffix mean his, in his heights. Now, can I ask you a question? Why does God have to make peace in his heights? What kind of lack of peace exists within God's heights? What is going on here? Ose shalom bimromav. He has to make peace. That means without his peace, there's no peace. Why is there no peace up there? And our sages tell us that the Ose shalom bimromav, where is bimromav? Where is his heights? The word shamayim. What does shamayim mean? Heaven. You know what the word shamayim really means? It's made up of two words. Esh umayim. Fire and water. What does that mean in the real teachings of Kabbalah about this shamayim? That there are two angels. One is Michael. Michael. Michael is the ministering angel of water. And then there's another angel called Gabriel. Gabriel. He is the ministering angel of fire. Fire and water in the teachings of the Holy Chariot as told to us in the book of Ezekiel is actually right and left. Kindness and strictness. Two opposites. Michael, we say it in our Yom Kippur prayers. Michael is from the right. Miyamin. The Gabriel Mismael. And Gabriel, Gabriel is from the left. So even up there in heaven, it's a linear experience. Remember what I told you before? When I say extraterrestrial, I don't mean celestial. I mean extraterrestrial, extracelestial, extra universal, which comes before the Beth Abaration. So right there we have an argument. They cannot simultaneously exist because they are completely antithesis one to another. Thus God tells us, Ose shalom bimromav. He, God, must make peace. For without God, there can be no peace between two opposites. Each one is truly what they are. And if they're truly what they are, they are opposites to each other. They cannot be peace. Fire and water cannot get married. So now we understand the Kabbalistic definition of what we're calling tonight terrestrial or universal. The linear universe. The linear light of God. Now from here, let's go to the extraterrestrial, the extra-universal. Let's talk about a total different existence.
we are taught that there exists the he who makes peace. Who is this he who makes peace? And the answer is that just like I speak to you of a linear world, a linear universe, a linear light, there exists a circular world, a circular universe, a circular light. Now, this circular light, this circular universe, it's circular as a complete ball around the entire universe. In a ball, there is no top and no bottom, there is no right and no left. Thus, in the realm of this ball, there can be peace between two opposites. Now, I want to make a note for a moment. When we start learning Chassidus and Kabbalah and hear about this or a soivev or a mamala, the linear, the circular, what's the first thing we do? We're linear creatures. What's the first thing we're going to do? We're going to draw pictures in our head, right? So circular, encompassing, is a place. So if the world is here, where is the circular encompassing? Here. You understand what you're doing? You're taking your linear universe, your linear mind, your linear paradigm, and you're imposing it upon teachings of the circular. It's not a circular around, but rather in the deep teachings of Chassidus, within the, the linear universe, there exists the circular universe, which is exactly what a dream is all about. It's you and me linear beings in a linear universe having a communication and an experience of the circular. So please, don't apply your linear mind to this and draw pictures with pen and paper. We're talking about two universal planes that coexist. Now let's talk about this. One of the amazing things of the, univ of the circular universe is that it encompasses everything equally. There is no top, there is no bottom, there is no right, there is no left, which means what? There is no antithetical existence. There is no opposites. Because if there's no right and there's no left, there's no top and there's no bottom, then there's no opposites. Now you understand what it means. He makes peace. Who he? He, the circular universe. He, the circular divine light. Now, this sounds mystical, right? So I want to thank you all for still being here. <laughs> but now let's make it practical. Let's be really practical. In a kingdom, there are two antithetical ministers. I'm going to just throw out here examples, okay? These examples don't come from the teachings, but this, the concept of the parable comes from the teachings. So you can have the minister of social welfare. What is this minister's job? to care for everyone who doesn't have, find ways to give them, give them breaks, give them help, get them back on their feet, Section 8 apartments, whatever it may be. Then you have the Minister of Employment and Taxation. I would not want to be in Starbucks when those two have tea together because obviously they are polar opposites. And because they're all truly what they are, who they are, they truly can never get along, right? Now imagine that they're both standing in the throne room in the presence of the king. 
what just happened to them. They're not opposites. They're both two equal ministers, subjects serving their king. All of a sudden they went from being antithetical that cannot get along to Oseh Shalom Bim Romav. So water puts out fire, fire turns water into steam, and all of a sudden in comes the king, capital K, and all of a sudden the two ministering angels, Michael and Gabriel, are okay. Oseh Shalom Bim Romav. You see what happens when the circular comes in? When the circular comes in, because it has no right and no left, because it has no top and no bottom, there's nothing that doesn't get along. Now, this is going to be hard to picture. But imagine if the circular came in, then size doesn't make a difference. Then an elephant, the size of an elephant, the eye of a needle, the size of an eye of a needle, it's okay. In the circular world, Very, very difficult to understand. But I'm going to take it to the next level so we could understand it. Let's bring it home. People, in our linear world, what would you say is the greatest issue of antithetical concepts that ruin our inner peace? When I say our world, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. Every one of you. Within us exists everything, right? Olam katan adam. The microscopic world is the human. Everything that exists in the macroscopic world exists in the microscopic world. So share with me. What is in the linear world of our existence, the moi, me, what is the greatest issue? The antithetical that has no peace and destroys my inner peace. What is the answer? The answer is emotions. Opposite emotions, they drive us nuts to love or to hate, to be kind or to be strict, to be angry or to love, to be happy or to be sad. These emotions have us bouncing around like a pendulum. Now let me share with you. In the human universe, everything is comparative. Compared to the linear universe of emotions, there is the circular universe of understanding, the intellect of Bina. Bina in the world of Kabbalah and Hasidus, the understanding faculty of intellect, the left side of your brain, that is the mother to all emotions. Now, while when we're in emotions, we're being thrown around like the waves are banging against the rocks. However, in the realm of the intellect of understanding, everything is peaceful. There is no opposites. Now let me share with you a simple example so we can get practical here. Okay? There is someone I love who presently I am fuming. I hate the person. Why? By the way, it's not true. But why? Very simple, why? Because, quotes, my understanding of what he or she said or did to me has me extremely angry, full of animosity. 
Now, suddenly I hear that my understanding is wrong. What suddenly happens? Do I still hate this person? Am I still angry at this person? Let me share with you something more complicated. I suddenly understand why he or she said what they said or did what they did. But I'm still not that happy that they said what they said or did what they did. All of a sudden I have a coexistence of two emotions. I love them. I hate what they did. Because in the world of understanding, circular, there is no top, there is no bottom, there is no right, there is no left. Understandings fuel emotions equally, whether it be hatred or whether it be love, whether it be sadness or whether it be happiness. So suddenly you understand on a more practical level that in the linear world, there exist opposites that cannot coexist. The elephant, the eye of the needle, not happening. But in the realm of the circular, there is no opposites. The dream. The dream is where the circular plane of existence talks to us. The linear creation. That's what a dream is all about. And that's why we can dream things that we could never imagine or never think of. Why can it only happen in a dream, this communication? Very simple, why? Because that's when we loosen, we, the linear creatures, loosen that linear grip on our mind as we shift from the conscious mind to the subconscious mind. So I wasn't joking or playing games with you when I sent out the title. The Secret of Dreams is an extra universal communication. The circular is communicating with our linear. That's what a dream is all about. A total different paradigm of existence, a total different appreciation of reality. It's completely different. Very important for us linear beings to have this type of communication. Now let's talk about what dreaming is in our world in when we serve God. So let's again start with understanding what is the concept of antithetical existence in our world in serving God. Well here is it's very simple according to the teaching of Kabbalah Chassidus. I come to Shul I pray. And what do I do when I pray? I completely concentrate and become absorbed and become one with what paradigm? What is one of the most amazing verses that all Jews say? Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. What does that mean? Hear, O Israel, God is our God, God is one. So what is my paradigm when I'm in synagogue praying? That God is one. What does that mean, God is one? That means that the same God I have and the same paradigm I have when I'm sitting in the synagogue is the same paradigm I have when I sit in the office. The same paradigm of God is one when I sit in this in praying is the same paradigm God is one when I'm in my working hours trying to earn a living. The oneness 
That's the paradigm of prayer, right? Then what happens the minute after I leave shul? I am suddenly sucked right out of the paradigm of Hashem Echad. Everything is one, God. And all of a sudden I went into a whole different paradigm. Survival of the fittest. That is our paradigm when we go out there to work. Competitive. Survival of the fittest. You understand how that is an antithetical world which cannot coexist? I cannot say Hashem Achad and say survival of the fittest and, and just be okay. There goes the elephant and the eye of the needle. It can't coexist. Do you understand each and every one of us in our world, when we serve God, we're challenged with this antithetical paradigm. So, not to worry, because in our world of this antithetical paradigm also exists the Oseh Shalom. He makes peace. The He, the great King. That is the circular. Every Jew within his or her heart and existence knows whether I'm in shul, whether I'm right now fighting over a customer, whether I'm having problems with my competitor. Every Jew has the Oseh Shalom within him. Every Jew knows that there's a circular world. There's a circular universe. And ultimately speaking, everything is Hashem Echad. And if I don't make this deal, so it is Hashem Echad. We remember the teaching, There are many messengers to God. And if this wasn't the one bringing me my daily bread, it'll be someone else. The circular exists within us. However, it feels like a dream. Because my accountant told me, get over your spirituality and start making money. So we're dealing with that. There's the Ose Shalom, there's the dream, there's the circular, and then there's the linear. The linear says, okay, in shul I gotta be holy, gotta walk up to the ark before I leave, bury my face in there, kiss it, become one with God, then I gotta walk out of the shul, take off my kippah, leave it in the ashtray by the synagogue, and I gotta put on my gloves because it's the survival of the fittest in the real world. And then we struggle over which is real. Which is the real world, the inside or the outside? But deep down, every Jew has a circular universe. Even when he's out there, he feels like he's in here. And even when he's in here, he prays he'd be successful out there. Because both are one, Hashem Echad, here in the shul and out there in downtown Miami. What we need to discuss is, what is this circular world in our day-to-day -day conscious life. So wonderful, we're talking concepts, and some see it abstract, some don't see it abstract, but bottom line, action. What is the circular? Yeah, so one thing we just said is that whenever you go out there in the world, remember, you are a divine being having a human experience. So be with the Hashem Echad even when you go out there. We also spoke about that when you're in here, don't get spiritual. Remember, you're praying for your health physically, for your finances physically, 
for physical security in the land of Israel. Don't get spooked out on me here. We spoke about that. But I want to share with you what is the ultimate in the human, the linear creatures, the linear universes, circular experience. Our sages tell us that before creation there existed two things. Many things, but I'm mentioning two now. One is Teshuvah and one is Mashiach. Both those concepts are not part of the linear world. One is the concept of Teshuvah. Teshuvah, by the way, means returning, repenting. What is the concept of Teshuvah? You know what it means? Teshuvah means that I'm giving up one lifestyle and going into an exact opposite lifestyle. The ultimate Ose Shalom Bim Romav. To be able to make that change. I, the human being, let's quote Maimonides here. Maimonides speaks to the Balteshuvah in this language. Yesterday he was despicable, and today he is cherished and loved. That's a dream. To be able to change that from going from one extreme to the other extreme, that is a dream. That is because in the world of God, everything is one. So the Jew who sins can be the Jew who does teshuva. I want to just be very clear. When we talk about doing teshuva, I'm not talking about a total lifestyle change. You understand that every single, every single habitual pattern of behavior, you change that, it's a dream, it's teshuva. If you change one action, one time, that is a circular experience in a linear creature. Because teshuva is all about the ultimate Oseh Shalom Bim Romav. Only because we have this amazing circular universe within us, we can do teshuva. We can make opposites. Coexist. So, let's talk about, in closing, what this is all about. I told you that this discourse in 1967 all started with a verse in Tehillim. King David stated in the Tehillim, a song of ascents, Shilam Alot. When the Lord returns, the returnees to Zion, we shall be like dreamers. What does that verse mean? Very simple what he's saying. What he's saying is that ultimately exile is a dream. We don't realize that until Mashiach comes. Right? Ever watch a really, really good movie? Or for the women who are related to my mother, ever cry over a soap opera? And someone just pulls the plug or changes the channel on you. It is horrific. It's like totally grabbing your head and just pulling right out of the virtual into the real. The concept of Mashiach coming is going to be exactly like that. Because presently, we're in a dream. 
a virtual nightmare. Now let me share with you. Why can teshuva happen only in exile? In its simplest form. Because in the simplest form, teshuva means what? There exists evil. I danced with evil. And now I'm doing teshuva. I'm changing. I'm going away from evil and I'm coming to God. I'm going away from behaving in an evil way to behaving in a good way. I'm going away from the selfishness going to the selflessness. That's what Teshuvah is really all about. When Mashiach comes, there is no evil. That means that where is the realm of dreams? It's here in exile. In exile, we linear creatures have this unbelievable gift of being able to dream. We can be in one state of being, not so pretty, and we can dream of changing and use that dream to actually turn it into a goal and actually make it happen. The power of dreams, the secret of dreams is that we as linear creatures that don't see how I, who've been behaving like this, can ever change and behave like that. And suddenly we have a circular experience, a dream from a different reality, from a different universe, telling us, why not? It's all the same. You're a human behaving like this, you'll be a human behaving like that. Who created evil ultimately? The good God. So really, on a circular, to dance from evil, to dance to goodness, is sitting on the same merry-go-round, jumping from one horse to another horse. That's the way it is in the circular world. That's what a dream truly is. And being able to live in our conscious, linear, day-to-day -day life means to be able to jump from that one horse to another horse within the same merry-go-round. To be able to change the way we behave. To be able to change our paradigm. The red waters, the blue waters, for those of you who are familiar with that whole business model. To go from competitiveness, there's not enough. Only the fittest survive. To go to, hey, the source of everything is infinite. He can provide for every single one of his creatures. That's Teshuvah right there. What a change of a paradigm. What a dreamer. What we really need to do is as we are in this dream of exile, we need to begin to dream. And through dreaming, action by action, thought by thought, speech by speech, we will bring the ultimate dream of all, which is Mashiach. May you come now. Thank you.